Welcome to episode number 92, Returning to Sacred Spaces. I'm your host, Damon Soka. And just as a reminder for those listening, if you have a, sh- if you have a story to share and would like to be part of this podcast, I am looking for persons willing to share their story. Of course, you can certainly share your story anonymously, like the one I will talk about today. Now, if you do desire to share your story, please contact me at dtsocha at gmail.com. So, dtsocha at gmail.com. Also, if you have enjoyed these podcasts, send them to a friend or post them to a social media website. Now, today's episode comes from, let's just say, someone I once knew long ago. A friend whose life uh, took a different path and the story that followed. And here it is. I've suffered with mental illness most of my life. I was diagnosed bipolar in my early 20s, but my diagnosis was, for me, more problematic than perhaps the illness. My family was more of a traditional nature when it came to health concerns, and mental illness was not a reality for them. Although I believe that my mother probably had some sense that what I, w- that what I was describing was accurate, because of some unfortunate events in my teenage years that mostly dealt with episodes of mental illness and religious principles, I found myself outside of the religious path. It was not that I didn't believe in God, and I did, and of course still do. It was that I felt so different from others. What I was experiencing, they were not, and I couldn't understand it. There were times when I thought that I had a testimony, and I had felt and had felt a spiritual experience. But most of the time, I really didn't feel anything but depression and the occasional mania high. So when it came to church, I slowly stopped attending later in my teenage years. This obviously did not impress my parents or my church leaders, who did everything in their power to keep me coming. But there were many times I just couldn't attend. Church for me needed to be uplifting and spiritual. And when my depressions took over, I just couldn't feel anything positive. I did need to be at church feeling so terrible, so I made excuses of illness, tiredness, or just about anything I could that would allow me to stay home. Missionary service was probably never in my future, not that I had committed terrible sins, but I just couldn't see myself as a missionary. Now, that didn't stop my parents and leaders from making the push. I played along for a while, but eventually I left for school and never really went back home except for special occasions. I don't know if I ever really gained a solid testimony of the church before I left. I had felt things I couldn't entirely explain, and I did believe in God, but what exactly I believed was more of a mystery to me. I didn't worry about it too much during my early 20s and my diagnosis. My diagnosis brought me some peace I had been needing, but it also brought with it all that comes with the diagnosis of a mental illness. My family couldn't deny the diagnosis and the scientific evidence that comes with it, but their conservative views regarding mental illness still prevailed. Now, at that point, I was not as concerned with their acceptance of the illness. By this time, I had found a road and a destination for me. Well, at least that is what I had thought. With the diagnosis came some eventual stability with medications and some understanding of the illness and myself. I could better predict me and in some ways find some control where I had rarely felt any throughout my life. My illness, I admit, had taken me down several paths that had caused me serious reflection. Now, one particular day, my depression had been terrible. I was living with some roommates, and just between the end of college and my new career, 
I had taken to drinking some alcohol and actually had tried some drugs a time or two. Interestingly enough, these never became addictions to me. I suppose I was luckier than most. The last week had been terrible, with a breakup of my long-term girlfriend and the upcoming start date of my new employment. My stress levels were running high, and I found myself obviously without sufficient support. Life at that point did not really seem worth living, and all of those years of suicidal thoughts seemed to press upon me. I wanted to end the misery. I wanted to end all the pain and suffering. It was that day I made the plan. Now, my plan, at least suicidally, was not elaborate, but it was going to be effective. I'm going to avoid telling you the details. But I made the plans and started the process, of course, of giving away those personal items of worth to my friends. And I had picked a day and a location. It was during this week that I received a call from one of my high school friends. He had been a friend at church throughout high school and had really not been and seemed to be too concerned about all my symptoms of mental illness during those years. I had kept in touch with him over the years, but it was unusual for him to call. We talked about the normal things old friends do. He had served a mission, returned, and was now a new father. Everything about his story made me feel more depressed about my own story. We talked for a while, and then when I said that I had to go, he invited me over to his home to meet his wife and his newborn son. I initially stated that I didn't think that I could come, but he, of course, insisted. We were both attending the same college at the time, even though I had just graduated or was graduating. While I did not want to go to his home and feel how little my life was adding up to, I decided that I would at least go over for a few minutes. I would then excuse myself and it would all be over. Now, the next day, I went over to his apartment. I had arrived late. When he opened the door, I could smell homemade bread. I had not smelt something so good since I left my parents' home. The small apartment seemed nice, and of course, he had all of those pictures hanging up that I didn't want to see. Happy families, wedding temple pictures, and so many others. Because I had arrived late, dinner was ready. I couldn't remember him talking about dinner, but I thought, why not? Dinner was what I was what I expected from him. He was the poster child for the Church of Jesus Christ, served a successful mission, attending college, married with his first child, serving in the Ward's Elders Quorum Presidency, and generally a jovial, happy guy. Everything I simply was not at the time. He asked about my family and what I was doing and how things were going. I told him the normal lines of pleasantries that we always tell each other. I suppose that he could tell I was struggling mentally and emotionally. Instead of ignoring it, he asked about it. I wasn't really into talking about my emotional problems before my diagnosis, and so I did my best to avoid his questions. But he didn't stop asking. I couldn't understand it. There was one point that I was almost frustrated by it. Suddenly, he looked at me and said, I actually think, he said, I think that you might have bipolar disorder. Have you ever seen a doctor about it? The question was so entirely out of the blue that I didn't even know what to say. And I mumbled something about I didn't need to see a doctor. He didn't stop with the questions. He noted several symptoms of my illness, and even some during our conversation, and said, I really think that you should see a doctor. I asked him how would he know anything about mental illness. What he had said shocked me. He told me he had been diagnosed with clinical depression and anxiety disorder when a teenager. He could see the same things in me that he had felt throughout his life. He had seen me on campus a few times and wanted to discuss it, but just didn't know how. 
He had shrugged it off until yesterday when a voice, as clear as he could tell, said, I need you to call. He didn't even know what to say, but he found my number and called and invited me over. I really sat back in my chair not knowing what to say to him. How had I never seen his illness? How could he see it so easily in me if that is what I had? Without waiting for me, he began to explain mental illness to me and what he was seeing in me and what he had experienced. He had also noted that while outwardly his life looked very normal, what he had experienced with his own personal journey with mental illness, he knew that I needed help. He offered to walk me over to the college health clinic to talk about it. I was at the point of life that I really didn't want to live it. I had made plans, but what he had said made some sense to me. Now, for the first time in a long time, I actually began to feel some hope. Hope that things might change. I decided that I would take him up on his offer, and we walked across the campus to the clinic. It just so happened that it was Mental Health Week, and the clinic was offering testing for various types of mental illness. That day was the start of something new for me. I received a tentative diagnosis, and then a more final one a couple of days later. Medications were prescribed, some therapy initiated, and I began to better understand myself and the person I had been for so many years. can't say that everything fell into place, and the whole journey was easy after that. But a couple of medications later, and some time to heal, I found myself in a much better place. However, I had still not returned to church. My friend had me reading scriptures again, and I was beginning to feel some of those older spiritual feelings and thoughts. But I had spent so much time at church with my depression raging that I was unsure that I could ever attend again without feeling those deep pains and hopelessness. Besides, my life had not been very church-worthy over the last few years, and I would have to face what I had done. I made solid excuses every time he asked me to attend with him. I really didn't want to attend with my friend in case those dark memories returned. I decided that I would attempt to attend a sacrament meeting only and see how that went. Still unsure about my past, I attended a sacrament meeting from the back row. I tried to remain obscure as I could. I really didn't want to talk to anyone. And I sat down for the first while. I really didn't feel anything during the sacrament or during the hour. I didn't participate I didn't partake of the sacrament, really, not really feeling that I was worthy considering my current lifestyle. It wasn't until the second talk during the sacrament that I began to feel something I had not felt in many, many years. I felt a peace that I could not describe, but one with which I was familiar. I knew that I wasn't necessarily worthy of church membership, but I still felt at peace, like everything would be okay if I just moved forward. I sat in the back of the breezeway all the way through sacrament, and I had intended to leave early to avoid talking to people, but my concerns melted that peace I felt. With that peace that I would felt, when the closing prayer was said, I sat for a moment, taking in what I had just experienced. I knew that someone would approach me, and they did, and I made the just-visiting excuse and headed for the door. But that experience stuck to me. While my life was not in order, I felt accepted for the first time in many years. While I wanted to return again to church, I didn't for some time, for a few weeks. I had worked with the doctors and the medications in realizing that drugs and alcohol were not going to work with the mental illness. I had left it all behind. My life was improving, but I still felt very alone. 
One Sunday morning, I decided to try again, only I went to the ward to which I had been assigned. I had never attended that ward, even though I had been contacted a few times by ward members. No one knew me when I showed up, and that was good for me. I wanted a fresh start. Sacrament moved along, actually very similar to the one before, with a feeling of peace and one additional experience. For the first time in my life, I felt loved. I was actually in a room full of strangers because I didn't know one, anyone, but I felt loved. Being a member of the church, I knew that I would eventually need to talk with a bishop about my past issues. Now, this was not something that I really wanted to do or cared to do. I tried to avoid it while continuing to attend sacrament meetings, but the feeling was unmistakable. I knew that I needed to talk with him. I suppose that the Lord does look out for his children, because before I could exit the church one Sunday, the bishop came off the stand directly to me and asked if he could meet with me. I was entirely nervous, but I said that I would. We walked to his office. What I thought was going to be terrible moments of reliving my sinful past life and regretting it turned into this wonderful experience of forgiveness and love. I don't remember a time when I had ever felt the Spirit that strongly. The bishop listened and listened more. And then with the understanding that I think only comes from God, he talked about leaving those sins in the past and not worrying about them. He said that the Lord was very willing to forgive and to provide a place for me. Within a short time, I was taking the sacrament with full forgiveness and mercy. What I thought would be the worst moment of my life, trying to recount my many sins in front of a servant of God, turned into an experience I will remember forever. The Lord is truly quick to forgive and quick to allow us back in his presence. This is especially true when he has given us a weakness that causes us serious spiritual troubles. Now, I can't say that I have been perfect, and I can't say that my illness has not had its moments. I've struggled, and I feel those depressive moments again. And I do feel those depressive moments again. My spiritual life for me is still work that does not come easily. I have to work every day and manage my illness, but I found one truth, and it is managing my illness within the boundaries of the church and the Lord is far easier than doing it without the help and guidance that I receive from them. Over the years, I've still had moments of weakness, short periods of inactivity, and struggled to overcome the deficiencies really brought about by my bipolar symptoms. Just because I returned, church hasn't been easy, but it has been worth it. I wanted today this is me speaking now, for my audience to hear one of those stories of success. There is so much about mental illness that does not speak of success that we need to hear about those successful moments. We need to understand that success is very possible. And success is defined by your individual experience. Now, each story is going to be different given the effects of mental illness, but I know that living the gospel is possible even when we deeply struggle with various aspects of our spiritual natures and our moral, emotional systems. The Lord does not expect perfection from us, but really simply a good effort. Mental illness and spiritual natures are always going to be problematic when they collide. There is no easy pathway for those who suffer in the gospel. But as I have said before, we weren't sent here for a beach vacation. We were really sent to spiritual boot camp. But even with the trials and troubles, the Lord is never very far away from us and is always standing with open arms to receive us again. Now, I've hoped you've enjoyed the story today, and I hope that you will remember that if you do your part, the Lord will do his. And we will talk to you next week. <laughs>